Good morning. Good morning. Welcome to our service here this morning. First Peter is a letter written to the young Christians in Europe. It, uh, it was a letter of encouragement, and uh, it, it, Peter, it, wa it was a letter that was reminding him that the Christ had risen, and that Christ had risen from the dead, and he was alive, and it was a word that was to give them hope. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 3, let us give thanks to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he gave us new life by raising Jesus Christ from death. This fills us with a living hope. Isn't that a wonderful way to start our service this morning? This fills us with a living hope. Today's reading is taken from John chapter 20, starting at verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands, and put my finger where the nails were, and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop, stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the word of the Lord. This passage just falls just after Easter. Jesus has died. Rumors of his resurrection are coming. And he appears to the disciples. Disciples who are afraid, panicked, don't know what to do. And poor Thomas gets forever known as a doubting Thomas. A phrase familiar for many. A doubting Thomas, what it means to trust or not. Poor Thomas, let's explore a little bit more of his story today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your death and for your resurrection, that you defeated sin. Father, may we trust in you, in your word. May we believe in you always, believing 
without seeing. In your name we pray. Amen. I think to really put ourselves, to personify where we are as a group just after this is really important. To understand just how the disciples were feeling. Jesus had died. Some people had arrived and said, he is risen. But those people were women who were not potentially to be trusted within this era. Their word was not word enough. And then he had started to appear to a few others and people still didn't know what to believe. And can you imagine at the time the rumors that were beginning to circulate amongst the community? Rumors of perhaps the disciples stole the body, perhaps the Romans stole the body. Did he really rise from the dead? Is he really alive again? And as these rumors go around the community, the disciples begin to fear for their lives. As people begin to falsely accuse them of of, uh, faking a resurrection by stealing a body. They begin to fear for their lives. And so they lock themselves away in a room, which was a room that they last spent time with Jesus in. They hide away from there. And on the evening, in verse 19, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together and the doors were locked for fear of the Jews, this was a group that were terrified. And they were mostly gathered together. And in this moment, as they're looking for someone to rescue them and save them, Jesus appears among them. Peace be with you. It would have taken a lot more than those words for a dead man to calm me in that scenario. For a dead man to appear beside me and say, don't worry, peace be with you. As just a general greeting of the day. The reaction must have been not as calm as we hear about. That actually, as Jesus appears beside them, the person they look to is there again. And he has a message for them. In verse 21, uh, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Let's really think about those emotions again. People are standing in fear. Oh my goodness, people are out to get us. We need someone to come and save us. We need help. What are we going to do? Let's run away. And then a dead man appears to them and says, peace be with you. I'm going to send you. Send you where? Out into the community of the people who want me dead? Out into the community of people who think I'm mad? Out into the community of people who don't trust me right now? I'm fearing for my life and you're sending me out? Jesus arrives back not to stand with his disciples and say, I'm back, let's go, I'm coming with you. But rather, Jesus appears to his disciples and says, I'm back, now you must go. The first thing I want us to think about this morning in this post-resurrection, as Jesus appears back to his disciples, is that Jesus needs you. He needs you to go. He needs you to go and to share his word and to take that message out. Yes, he has the power to go and do it by himself. And yes, he has the strength that he could have gone and done it. But in this circumstance, as he was risen again, he chose to send other people, to send the disciples into a community that didn't necessarily like them or trust them 
that we're out to get them. But Jesus needs us. He needs us to go and carry his word. But we also need him. We also need him to go and to take that word, to carry it with us as we journey. This is not something that he's sending the disciples out for themselves. It wasn't a, okay, I need you to go and do this. Go and do it by yourself. But if we turn back again to look at verse 22. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus comes and he breathes the Holy Spirit on his disciples. Now the Holy Spirit, as we've established across many other Sundays, has existed from the very beginning of creation. That if we turn all the way back in our Bibles to the very first chapter, as we look at Genesis chapter 1, we see that in the beginning, God created heavens and earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So the Spirit is there at the beginning from the very start. It exists in creation. And then in chapter 2, God goes through a lot of the days of creation. And on day 6, he made the earth and the heavens. No shrub of the field had yet appeared on the earth, and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth, but there was no man to work the ground. But streams come up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. And the Lord from that formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. That actually in this story, we have a new sending out, a new creation once again receiving the breath of God and this spirit from the very beginning. Christ comes and says, I need you to go out. I need to send you. And here I am. I'm equipping you with the spirit that I'm breathing this out. God's breath comes up again in the, uh, the, the prophet of Ezekiel as they appear in Ezekiel chapter 37 in that familiar passage to us in the valley of dry bones, a valley of bones that are dry and formless. God comes and he breathes life on them. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am Lord. In this prophecy in Ezekiel, he offers the promise of a breath of new life. And here the disciples receive this breath that just in this valley of dry bones, an army forms up and grows from the breath of God. Jesus comes as the son of God, offering the breath of the Holy Spirit to send people out. I know sometimes it's very easy to personify with the disciples, to personify in the fear of the opportunity to go and share the word of God, the fear of standing up for something which many people in our community might disagree with, the fear to stand up for values that we hold strong and think matter for the formation of mankind and womankind. These are the values that we stand for, that we are being sent out into our community to share the love of God. And we do it with the gift of the breath of the Holy Spirit to equip us. And that is enough. That that is enough for us to go. 
That is enough for us to be sent. That is enough for us to take the word of God across the world. And that is what the disciples then go to do. They take the word of God and they spread it amongst the community. These disciples begin the day terrified for their lives, locking the door. And by the end of the day and the evening comes, they must have been fired up. They must have been ready to go out and do something. They knew that Christ had defeated death. They believed because they saw him. But one of the disciples was missing. Thomas wasn't there. Thomas, called Didymus, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. Thomas doesn't believe that a man has risen for the dead. Wild that he doesn't believe it. (laughs) Of course he doesn't believe it. He doesn't believe it because (coughs) even though he has heard the promise, he's never really seen it. Of course, they would have seen other people risen. But to think that he could conquer death himself was a difficult thing to be understood. I don't blame Thomas for his lack of belief. He doesn't trust in the promise that God makes. He doesn't trust it. And Thomas here has made one very simple mistake. He's made one mistake that's led him to this place of mistrust. He's made one mistake that's led him to this place of doubt and not knowing the truth of the risen God. And that is, in this time of fear, in this time of doubt, in this time of panic for their lives, Thomas decides to do it by himself. He goes off by himself. He thinks, I don't need the other disciples. I don't need the community of the church around me. I don't need the support of other people. And I'm going to do this through my own strength. He goes off by himself to deal with things. He goes off by himself to process things alone. Not in community, as he was instructed. Not in community with other people to care for him and for him to care for them. But he does it by himself. How often do we do things in our own strength? We talk often of trusting in the power of God and through Christ I can do all things who gives me strength. And yes, we have that, but also look around you to the people beside you. Look around you to the people who will support you and care for you. Look around you to your brothers and sisters in Christ who care for your well-being. But that was Thomas's mistake. Thomas lost the idea of trusting in the people around him as well. For yes, we are called by Christ to go out into scary communities where people might not trust us and might cast hate upon us. But he sends us out with two things. Firstly, the love and power and breath of the Holy Spirit on our lives. And secondly, with the love and support of the people around us. So where did Thomas go? What was Thomas's mission field? Thomas went out. He went out. He, he thought to have gone out to Asia. He went out 
and took the word of God as far as he could by land. For him to have traveled on foot without an airplane, without getting on a boat, he took it as far to the east as he could possibly travel. He took the word of God to Asia, spread it around, and eventually met his death, they think, in India. They met his death for standing up for belief in the word of God. And here is where we actually should not be looking at Thomas as a doubting Thomas or an unfaithful Thomas, but a Thomas who only had to be told once. Thomas doubted once. Jesus came to him and said, here it is, here are my wounds, touch them, trust me, believe in me, and that was enough. In my journey of faith, I'm afraid I've had to be told countless times by Christ, here I am, I am enough. Look at the support I've given you and the trust I've given you. We make mistakes, we forget We lose trust and we lose faith. And countless times we are called back to be faithful and to sit at his feet and remember the good things he offers to us. This morning, may we take encouragement that Christ needs us for his mission. That you and I and all of us are needed to spread the gospel, to spread his love. We are needed by God. May we have encouragement that he needs us. May we have confidence that he equips us, that he offers us the Holy Spirit. And may we be inspired by the example of Thomas. Not Thomas the doubter, but Thomas the faithful. Thomas who had the support of the people around him, the love and encouragement. And may we be that in all that we carry in the word of God into our communities, into our families, wherever we go this week and evermore. Amen. Let's just finish this morning with uh, this this closing sentence. Uh, God the Father, by whose glory Christ we raise from the dead, strengthen you by his life-giving spirit to walk with him in the paths of righteousness and peace. And may the blessing of God the Father the Son, and the Holy Spirit be with you and remain with you always. Amen.